as I was holding this service before the Lord, um, the Lord said to me, he didn't want this year to be a year where hypocrisy continued. I'll explain that. It sounds really harsh, but um, it's truth. So um, it's just I, I have to say what the Lord's saying to me. And he also took me to the narrative where in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are hiding and uh, they're fearful. They've got a wrong perception of God and they feel shame for their sins. That, in a sense, is hypocrisy. It's hiding behind a mask, hiding behind the bush, whatever you want to call it. There's reasons why people hide. It's human nature to hide. Uh, but let me encourage you this morning. God is going to reset the dials this year and people are going to come into an authenticity um, with God, with one another, with the enjoyment of him, the enjoyment of one another. It's going to be restored. Can anyone say amen? I, I really believe that because this is what Jesus is building. Jesus is building his church. And um, I think through COVID, the enemy's got in really big time. All over the world, not just in this church, but he has in this church. But I think um, God is going to push him back in a way that we've never seen before. Amen. Hallelujah. Because Jesus loves his church. And the Father loves the church so much that he gave his only son. And so, so the church to God is the most valuable entity on planet Earth. If you're reading your Bible in a year, you'll notice that we start with Nicky Gumbel in Genesis, the, the, the inherent value of man made in the image of God. And by the way, I really encourage you to read that Bible in a year. You can get it on an app. You can get it on the internet. Um, it's really, really, Nicky Gumbel's fantastic, isn't he? And uh, very, very helpful, very balanced. There's a charismatic lean in there. There's no worries for us as Pentecostal believers. We love Holy Trinity Brompton. We love what the Lord's doing in that church, through that church. So be encouraged in that direction. Uh, can I have the first slide? Don't be shocked by this. It's illustrative rather than condemnatory. Don't feel any sort of scrutiny. Don't feel any agenda behind this. I'm just sharing what the Lord put on my heart. I'm going to read a few scriptures to you. But the scripture that I've highlighted is, Let love be without hypocrisy. The Greek word twists hypocrisy around and puts an antonym in front of it, an opposite prefix. It says, without hypocrisy is, is no hypocrisy at all. What is hypocrisy? It does come from a Greek background. It was used for acting. If you've ever seen on the top of a stage those two black and white masks, have you seen that? Have you ever seen that? That's because actors on a stage pretend they're something they're not. Yeah? Children, just whilst you're in, and I really appreciate this is a family service, and I did prime some of the children, I want you to tell me any actors who wear a mask in their role, or indeed within a book you've read, because I know we've got some serious bookworms in movies, theatre, or literature, any characters you know wear a mask, so I'm not going to drop any ideas. You tell me, who wears a mask in movies, film? Let's go this end. Anyone got anything before we move on? The opera. Phantom of the Opera. Ooh, bit of culture. Anybody else? Uh, Hannah said that. Dan, what are you feeding your children? <laughs> Anything else? The Mask. The Mask with Jim Carrey, that classic goofy movie. Uncle Nolan. My generation, The Lone Ranger. Yes. 
that, that, that's a quality character even now. You had that one, you got another one? Zorro as well. Zorro. Is it Antonio Banderas who did the modern one of that? It was a great movie, that, wasn't it? Anyone else? Kids as well. Kids, have you got anything? Fian Flua? Batman. Batman. Do you know, right, here's, because I know you're really clever and you've got such a great future in God, both of you. Tell me, do you know his name? Batman's name in real life. Who's the character in that? Do you know, I don't mean the actor, I mean in the, in the film. Who is, who is behind the mask in the film? Do you know, Daniel? Who's behind Batman's mask? I'll go over here, you listen. Abby knows. Now, this is a serious bookworm with the hand of God on her. Is Bruce Wayne? Bruce Wayne, the billionaire, yes. Hallelujah. Bruce Wayne. We love creativity, don't we? And uh, we love movies. We love theatre. I love theatre. We went to watch Wind in the Willows as a Christmas treat with Rachel's family. I love theatre productions. I love cinema. Um, and I... I have read novels, but <laughs> tend to be more like typical typical boy. boy. Boys don't tend to read that much. They watch, play video games. But uh, I have read, I, re- I remember reading the old James Bond books by Ian Fleming years ago. That dates me a little bit. When we wear a mask, whether it's a character in a book or a movie or in theatre, we take on a persona that is not our own. We are literally hiding. Let me read a scripture that links to that, which I've mentioned earlier. Genesis 3. Verse 8 onwards, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I love that, that question. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, you've heard those words. What is the theme of that little bit of a story. What's going on in the head of Adam and Eve? Yes. So, guilt. Guilt, shame. What do you think's going on in the heart and mind of God? Where are you, is my, my translation. Where are you? What, what is that? Come on. What's going on in the heart of God? Who's going to be brave enough? Sheep. Yes, looking for you. Anything else? Do you hear the, I mean, I, I, I might be overreading it, but do you hear the, the desire? Go on, let's, let's go to clever, clever corner. He knows where they are. He knows where they are, and he's, he's actually challenging them. Yes. Yes, of course he knows. I mean, he's omniscient. He's challenging them. He doesn't need a, a sat-nav to find them in the bush. But, but it's, it's his heart for them. Do you hear the heart of God in that? Do you hear that he wants, he wants them? He also, for me, I might be overreading it, but I, I think there's um, a sense of God seeing how disorderly that behavior is, that actually, I, I didn't build you for this. I mean, if you don't follow the, I mean, I'm one of those guys who builds Ikea furniture without reading the instructions, and I find the legs on the top of the wardrobe, and then have to redo most of it to get back to its typical man. Forgive me, guys, if you're really orderly too. But I I don't know. I know what I'm doing, and I build the the cupboard. But 
anything that operates against design becomes damaged. And I think as human beings, we, we operate against design when we sin, and we damage relationships, and we damage particularly our relationship with God, but the Lord looks on us with compassion in those moments. Do you hear me? He, he looks on us with compassion, and he doesn't come with a condemnatory tone that says, right, come out from behind that bush so I can give you a good whipping. Are you hearing me? It's the heart cry, for me, it's the heart cry of God that grieves lost intimacy. He longs for you. He loves you. And I think when we're thinking about this idea of hiding behind a mask or in a bush, there is a need for purifying ourselves so we can come into relationship with one another, come into relationship with God in the way that God designed us to be. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, that could translate to by believing the gospel, is a cleansing power in believing the gospel of Jesus. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Let me read that again. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. I think the hallmark of being a true believer, a distinguishing mark of a Christian is that that love is without hypocrisy. I think as I read this, doing this study did heart surgery on me. And maybe if you will allow the word of God to wash over you, maybe it will do some heart surgery on you. And maybe on the back of this, you will have, as I will have, some things to do in response to God's word. Is that okay? Because that's what James longs for in his writing. Don't just look at your face in a mirror, then forget what you look like. Do what the Bible says, is James' comment. And so I could read this and we could go and say, well, I just remember Stephen saying the word hypocrisy. And you mentioned love a few times. And we went out and it has no surgical impact on our spiritual state. But God has wanted to change my heart and he's wanted to change your heart. And as we transition towards communion, that's part of the purifying dynamic of God that cleanses us from the things that separate us from people and from God. But there are more to it than just going through a sacrament. There has to be a behavioral shift as well that means that we're not just religious people who operate. I mean, the mafia take communion, for goodness sake. Right? I, forgive me. I know it's probably something I shouldn't have seen any time in my life. But I remember watching the Godfather movies and noticing that Michael... <laughs> I'd known you like <laughs> Michael Corleone is a mafia leader and he's baptizing his kid with a Catholic priest next to him, going through all the pomp and ceremony, and he's probably about to send I can't remember the movie that one, send someone to shoot someone or something. I mean, this is what goes on in our world. Religion can be a mask too. And this is why, before I go a bit deeper into the idea of the surgery that love brings, let me just quote Jesus from the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In John's Gospel, actually in John's, right, 1 John 4, this one, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Okay, that's very powerful. 
That's First John. What about Mark? Jesus said, and this is speaking to religious people, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, it's easy to look on there and look at the Pharisees and say, well, I get it. They were religious performers. They weren't actually walking closely to the Lord. And we kind of disconnect ourselves from Pharisaical behavior because clearly we're born again of the Spirit of God and we have the Holy Ghost and we understand the Scriptures and we believe the Gospel. But we can operate in the same Spirit as charismatic believers. Pastors, elders, sheep, forgive me, congregants, whatever we want to collectively. We can operate in that same spirit. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's the hiding in the bush again. God is like, don't wear a mask. Don't behave this way in the week. Don't get yourselves, no guilt trips, okay? I'm not beating you up. Don't get hiding in that particular habit or lifestyle and then come and sing your three-hymn sandwich and go on with a smile on your face and then get home and start arguing again in a way that's destructive. God God is challenging us all out of what James was tackling, which was integrity. James, in his epistle, he's dealing with when the backstage is different to the front stage. James James is dealing with our heart and saying God longs for integrity or an integrated lifestyle where the backstage is no different to the front stage. So when we're singing with James earlier on, all my life, it's yours. I love you, Lord. And we're we're saying it, you're my everything. And we sing these songs. We have to take a step back and say, is that as much the truth now as it was? When it, so don't, don't necessarily look at me or anyone else in the room. Think about yourself, because this is true for everyone, including me. How is your heart's love for Jesus? How is your heart's love for other Christians? Okay? Because God is calling us, as we move into 2023, into a year, and by the way, I am going to seek God for a general prophetic word for next Sunday, for the year ahead, a word for 2023. But this is something he said to me for today, for the ones who would gather today. And I knew the numbers would be depleted. But God is saying to us, I don't want you to hide in shame, like Adam and Eve in the bushes. I don't want you to have a disorderly, skewed perspective on your relationship with me, on your relationship with others. I want you to come out into authentic, intimate relationships with man and God. And that takes journeying. That takes restorative processes sometimes. But God wants to lead us there. Because that's the will of the Father. Can anyone say amen? It is the truth. And the truth works like a surgeon's knife. What about in Luke's gospel? Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So it's very easy to say to, to Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. And then we go home and our lifestyle is not that of a disciple. That's why Jesus challenges in Matthew, Matthew's gospel, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law... And said, you look like whitewashed tombs on the outside, but the inside you're full of dead men's bones. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy. There's that word again. And wickedness. Jesus was offended by religious hypocrisy. He was offended by the sense of disconnect between the backstage and the front stage of our life. And if he would say anything to you and me today, he would say a true disciple is authentic 
A true disciple gets everything back into union. And again, as I say, this is for you. So look at you as I am looking at myself reading through this individually. According to the Apostle Paul, a distinguishing mark of true believers is to let love be without hypocrisy. Because love and hypocrisy are incompatible attitudes. The Greek word translated without hypocrisy illustrates a love that is sincerely felt or expressed, not pretended. So children, if we're saying let love be without hypocrisy, say, we would say don't pretend about your love. Okay, that's what God's challenging, challenging us all into, an authentic, heartfelt, loving journey. Do you feel that there's a need for shift in your heart? I certainly do. Do you feel the need to shift as a disciple as you read this? I certainly do. I need to grow in Christ. How about you? We're so good at listening to a sermon and preaching a sermon. And we're allowing the word of God to shift something on the inside to change our hearts. 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul urges all believers to be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience that will help us hear, and genuine faith. According to the Apostle Peter, <clears throat> the believer's call to holiness demands that they love each other deeply and earnestly. Remember what I wrote, read? You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So the necessary consequence of today's communion is <clears throat> once we experience the bless, blessing of his presence, which we felt at the beginning, didn't we, at the beginning of the service and as we joined that's a privilege that's born of the cross. Peter is saying, once you've experienced God, allow that to catapult you back into ordering everything in your life according to spiritual and relational integrity. How can we let love be without hypocrisy in the daily practice of living in relationship with other believers? Well, sincere love is grounded in the character of God, whose very nature is love. We let our love be without hypocrisy when we love like he does, when we replicate God's love as demonstrated in the life of his son. God showed us how to love and to live in the person of Jesus Christ. Anyone perfect and like Jesus in this room? Anyone perfect? I'm a million miles off, and if you're honest with yourself, so are you. We're quite easy to point out where one another are not like Jesus. How about you, looking at you? That's how you grow as a disciple. Love without hypocrisy is unconditional. God loves us just the way we are. Isn't that wonderful to know, even now? God loves us just as we are, but we don't have to clean ourselves up, but we have to live out that cleanness. It sounds a contradiction that the blood of Jesus makes us clean, but we've got to live out that cleansing work in every part of our lives. God showed us his great love for us by sending his son to die for us while we're still sinners, Romans 5.8. He loved us first, even though we didn't deserve his love. To emulate God's love, we must love people who are undeserving, unloving, and rebellious, just as we were when, we, when God first loved us. Since nothing can separate us from God's love, we, not, we ought not let anything separate us from loving others. Is anyone challenged? I could give you all the scriptures to go around that, but I haven't got the time. Love without hypocrisy is sacrificial. The scriptures say we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us 
So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 3.16. Most people know what John 3.16 is. A few believers have committed to memory 1 John 3.16. It's perhaps a good memory verse for 2023 for all of us. 1 John 3.16 says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Do you hear the powerful gesture in that? I am not there yet. Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Jesus is calling us to lay our lives down for one another. As I did this study, I, I felt bereft like Isaiah, Isaiah's chapter 6. Woe is me, I'm undone, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. But do you know the grace of God with, with the coals that will touch my lips, will touch your lips, will cleanse us, will restore us. And out of that restoration of connection with God and intimacy with God, everything else can be set in order this year. Everything by the grace of God. But it starts first with an encounter with the one who is love. We love him because he first loved us. We love one another because we've encountered love. And I think when we lose our love for one another, it's because we've moved away from the one who is love. We can go through all the ritual, all the performance, sing all the songs, listen to all the sermons, do all the Bible in a year programs. But if it doesn't change our heart and make us love Christians more and make us love God more, we're on a backward slide. And I would include myself in this. It's possible to move in the supernatural, to see incredible miracles like Jesus saw and I have done. It's possible to fast and pray like a beast. It's possible to be the best disciple the world's ever seen and still be divorced from intimacy with the Lord. The one thing Jesus will return for is a bride who's made herself ready, a bride who is clean, a bride who's in love with the bridegroom. Are we there today? Because if we're not, each one of us should take our life and say, Lord, I want to be clean. I want to be like Jesus, a bridegroom that is comparable to him. I want to live my life for you. I think Satan's lie in this season, particularly as there's a proliferation of hurt and disconnect after the COVID landscape, is to say, you know what? You were hurt. Protect yourself. Hide in the bushes Create your own little world, your own little subculture, your own little safe zone, and hide away. That's what Satan's done to many in this COVID landscape, all across the leaders' churches that I know. But God this year, I believe, is going to set in order what was damaged in the COVID landscape. He's going to restore the things that the devil has stolen from us, and he's going to bring us back to a place of intimacy. Because hypocrisy is living against design. It is an evidence that we don't know the love of God like perhaps we used to or ever. It is an evidence that we've shifted away from the heart of the Father. It's an evidence that we're probably hurting and hiding. And the Lord says to us today, that is against design. I love you. Why are you hiding? Where are you? What are you doing in those bushes? Come out and come into intimacy. I, I, I think... The greatest expression of the love of God for you, and you need to understand this if you've never understood it before, is when you're in your moment of deepest failure, the Father still loves you. And the Father still says the same thing to his people that he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? He's not condemning you. He's calling you back to intimacy. 
How's your heart, he's saying in those words. Where are you in relationship to the one who is love? How's your relationships parallel to you because of the one who is love? And this year, the Lord is going to set in order all of that for you. But you must cooperate with the Spirit. Otherwise, you'll sit in the bushes. Does this make sense? It's, it's just what the Lord gave me for this service today. We're going to take communion now. We're not going to do it as a ritual. We're going to do it with thanksgiving in our heart that says, Jesus died for me. And if Jesus died for you, for you Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrated his love for you in that, that while you're still sinners, Christ died for you. And, and to know that privilege of coming out of the bushes unashamed because there's no fear in love, the Bible says. Fear, fear has to do with judgment. And you can approach the throne of grace with boldness. Ephesians, uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, approach the throne of grace with boldness. It's, the, 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 the Greek words in there are all about receiving mercy in a time of need. And so your greatest time of need is when you're most distant from the Lord. And the instruction of Scripture is that you would come from your soiled state and approach the throne of grace with boldness to receive the love of God that's consistent, irrespective of performance, to enter into the embrace of the Father so that all other earthly relationships can start to journey back into order. Even as the Bible says, as much as it depends towards you, live at peace with all men. We, we've got to, as far as it is, is for, for me and as far as it is for you, we've got to do our best to be right with one another this year. And I believe this is the will of God, this is the truth of God for this church. I believe the Lord will raise this church up from the ashes of COVID in the next year. I really do believe that. The Lord said that to me in June of 2020, we'll be flowing in 2023. Really believe that. So can I have the stewards? And we're going to give out communion. And I'd like you to Stay in your seats. I mean, obviously, when you're taking communion, if you want to pray with the people around you, that's fine. With your children, if they're with you. Or if you're on your own, obviously, join with someone or, or, or just enjoy the Lord privately. There's no pressure to do it a certain way. But first of all, be grateful that you're forgiven of your sins. Receive his love. And ask God in the moment for his love to change your heart so that you can love one another in the way that Christ loved you. And maybe if you're bold enough to go to the 1 John 3.16 memory verse, that you would lay down your life for others as Christ laid down his life for you. That's perhaps a memory verse for all of us for this year. Amen.